the key point there is that at the end of the day, it's not B2B and it's not B2C. It's just people. Buyer behavior isn't the same and the old sales funnel is no longer relevant. So Square2 Marketing is smashing the funnel and encouraging businesses to think differently about their approach to marketing, sales, customer service, and revenue generation. Join us for season one of Smash the Funnel, the podcast. With our amazing lineup of industry experts, we'll introduce you to the new cyclonic buyer journey, and we'll provide insights and tips on how to optimize your business's approach to sales and marketing. And now for your host, Mike Lieberman, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square2 Marketing. Hey everybody, this is Mike Lieberman, CEO of Square2 Marketing, Chief Revenue Scientist here at Square2 and host of Smash the Funnel, the podcast, Square2 production. And I'm very excited to have you guys join me for episode five of season one. And a quick reminder, just to uh, help you guys understand the mission of this podcast is we're really trying to teach listeners about the new buyer journey, about our, uh, an understanding of how buyers are making their purchase decisions today. It's dramatically different than it was even you know four or five years ago. And then how to apply marketing, sales, and, and customer service tactics to that buyer journey, how to apply metrics, and how to apply technology. So... In episode five, How to Move Prospects from Education to Consideration, I'm thrilled to be joined by Sonia Jacob, who's the content strategist team lead at Drift. Now, some of you may remember that we promoted having Dave Gerhardt, VP of Marketing from Drift, but he was too busy, so that's cool. Sonia's better anyway. We're thrilled to have Sonia on the show, and uh, so I'll ask Sonia to introduce herself in a minute um, so you can get to know a little bit her about her and a little bit about Drift. So keeping in context, episode five, back in episode four, uh, we talked to Matt Hines from Hines Marketing, and he gave us some really incredible nuggets on how to be proactive with, with customers who are in the awareness stage and moving to education, and how to create educational content that gets them to move their buyer journey forward and what some key uh, 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 changes that are the, the way people educate and the way content can educate people. So we covered that last episode. This episode, I want to talk about how we can get them uh, from consideration uh, and into consideration and, and, and kind of move the process forward a little bit. And I think what's interesting about having Sonia and Drifter as a guest is she's doing some really cool things and the, the company is doing some really cool things to shorten the sales cycle, to kind of come up with ways to do conversions without the traditional web form. And we're gonna ask her to talk a little bit about that. So Sonia, without any further ado, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Give us a little bit on your background, how you ended up at Drift and help our uh, listeners understand a little more about Drift and chat and conversational marketing. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. Um, I'm, I promise I'm going to bring the heat, even though Dave Gerhardt is not going to be here. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, for me, I had a bit of an unorthodox start in marketing. Uh, instead of jumping into the business world, I decided I'm going to go to grad school. So I got a double master's in sociology and gender studies. And when it came time to decide 
whether or not I wanted to get my PhD and, and do research and teach, I decided it was way more exciting to be a practitioner than a theorist. Um, so from that point forward, I made the, the kind of unusual move to just jump into marketing. Um, and so I started out as a copywriter, a marketer. Uh, I launched The Cultivated Word, uh, which was pretty much a content firm before content really existed as a category. Um, and eventually I started working uh, with people like David Cancel. Uh, he was then at Performable and Heaton Shaw from Kissmetrics, uh, built out a great roster of clients and then eventually went on to go work at HubSpot. Um, and so since then I've led marketing teams and content teams at Mattermark, Zenefix, Docsend, and now I'm at Drift. Nice, that's a, that's a really great background. And by the way, I love sociologists, I love psychology majors yep. and people who are studying how people think and how the brain works. I think that's yep. a really under-emphasized skill set for marketing and sales people to have. So I appreciate your perspective as we dig into this a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So, I've been asking all the guests to start at a macro level because I think that helps put some of the conversation in context. So I'm wondering what you and the Drift team see going on in the world that's affecting the buyer journey, affecting sales and marketing, and affecting revenue in general. What are you guys seeing uh, at that high level that's making you so hot on, on chat and, and so hot on this conversational marketing concept? Yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that we're seeing and the trend that we've been observing now, uh, you know, over the past year or so um, is really that the B2B buying journey is becoming, becoming increasingly influenced by the way people are buying in the rest of their lives as consumers. So they're having amazing B2C experiences on, you know, Amazon or Zappos or Nordstrom or even Sephora. And then they're sort of turning around and they're saying like, well, this shopping experience, this buying experience that I'm having in the B2B space feels nothing like that. You know, it's not personal, it's not on my terms, um, and they're kind of rejecting it. And I think the thing that we're really bullish about at Drift is like, how do we as B2B marketers fix that? Um, how do we start to create a buying process that leverages the, you know, the most powerful aspects of B2C and incorporate that um, into our tool and then you know as a result empower all of these other businesses to deliver the same kind of personalized buying experience that's really interesting so typically you know people in the b2b space kind of dismiss the b2c space like that's not me you know they're only buying a you know forty dollar pair of sneakers and i'm selling a four hundred thousand dollar piece of software there's nothing for me to learn there and you're kind of identifying the fact that, you know, the same people that are making the purchase decision around software are also buying those $40 sneakers and having a great experience. And they're looking for some similar kind of experiences uh, on their bigger enterprise level purchases as well. Absolutely. I think, you know, the key point there is that at the end of the day, it's not B2B and it's not B2C. It's just people. Um, and so as a result of that, people like, you know, any other, you know, living, breathing thing are going to have experiences that they come to expect of, you know, the purchase process, uh, you know, what that feels like, what it looks like. And I think, you know, for the last, you know, five, 10 years, we've made B2B more about the buyer sort of adhering to our process versus us, the B2B company, figuring out how the buyer wants to buy. And that's, 
that's a fundamental problem um, because what we're seeing right now is people are opting out of it. Um, and, and, you know, to anyone who says like, you know, we can't take anything away from, from B2C, we, we really have to look at the fact that we also have a generation of buyers coming up who are completely and utterly used to shopping on their terms. And so those people are going to be the next generation of buyers. And I really do feel that if B2B companies don't catch up, it really puts them in the wrong spot going forward. Yeah, that's such a great point. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I have two 20-year-old sons and they both are like Facebook. Like I don't even use Facebook anymore. Like they literally aged out of Facebook and they're 20 and 23 years old and they're on Instagram and they're on Snapchat. And, you know, if if we want to talk to them, those are the platforms we have to be on when everyone's still talking about Facebook. So um, I think that's a great point, both about B2C and about the the aging up of, of our potential customers, like they are going to be expecting us to behave with them in a way they want to be engaged with. And it's not through an old, you know, a form is going to look like a, like a textbook does to kids yeah. in school now, you know? It's an absolute relic. And right. I think that's something that we kind of have to pay attention to as, you know, the market matures. We have new buyers uh, who are used to different things. And, you know, quite frankly, we're seeing that, you know, time and again, there is no linear buying process. Right. Um, it's all about meeting the buyer where he or she is. Right. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. So let, let's talk about this stage that we're going to try to focus on here, which is the, um, the consideration stage. So, um, the way we kind of describe these different stages, just for context, is, you know, awareness is everyone's, well, there's pre-awareness, which we've talked about before. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, people who aren't yet looking, but probably should be, are people in that pre-awareness stage. They don't know they have a problem, but they actually do. And our job is to, you know, get them to at least be aware that there might be something out there that they should be considering. Then they're going to awareness, which is this kind of uh, reactive openness to content. So I might not be proactive in my search, but I'm at least aware and open and, and kind of sifting through things that might be relevant to the kind of stuff I'm, I'm, I'm looking for. Um, then they switch to a more proactive education stage where they're actually very proactive in the content they consume, very proactive about getting smart around a decision. They're literally you know, spending time looking for uh, ways to get smarter about the decision they're going to make. And then there's this consideration stage, which I want to focus on today, where they've decided to do something, but they might not be sure what yet. It, you know, in our case, you know, they know they need to do something different around sales and marketing, but they could hire a VP of marketing or they could hire an agency. So they're still considering which direction to go. I want you to talk to us a little bit about how marketers can better engage with people in this stage. And if you have some ways in which you think chat or uh, some other tools that Drift is considering might help us engage with people in the consideration stage. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the interesting things about that phase is that there's so much potential for it to go awry, right? Like you have the individual who's, you know, perhaps at a company, they're looking for a solution um, and they go out, maybe they look at, you know, Drift, for example, and they're evaluating that. A lot of things can happen at that point. They engage with some content, maybe they sign up for a webinar and they do that. Um, And the biggest thing, you know, for us that we're seeing, you know, both drift and and more generally for me as a marketer is that that process has been fundamentally changed by the number of stakeholders involved, right? So I think there was like an HBR post I read a couple days ago that 
I think in the last two years, the last few years, we've gone from an average of like 5.4 people involved in a deal to 6.8. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So it's like all of these stakeholders coming from different parts of an organization, introducing new requirements into a deal, you know, that obviously drives both, you know, marketers insane and sales reps because they're trying to market to a variety of different people and also, you know, sell to them. And so that layer of complexity, I think, is best remedied by ABM. Um, but I think a lot of people are kind of confused, well, how do you do that with, with chat, for example? Um, for us at Drift, um, you know, when we actually apply that, we just have you know, Drift ABM syncing with Salesforce accounts. So you can see when VIPs are coming onto your site and then proactively chat with them. Um, but more broadly speaking, I think in terms of chat, how that actually helps shorten the buyer journey, um, I think the first thing is that it meets buyers where they are. Um, you know, with chat, for example, you can have it be intelligent enough to connect, um, you know, a potential prospect to an email sequence that you sent out. So, um, you know, maybe they saw your email, but they're, they're not the type to respond to an email. So instead they head back to your website, they read a blog post or they check out a product feature page, that sort of thing. Uh, with chat, you can actually proactively message those people and say like, you know, I saw that, you know, you open that email or however you want to customize it. Um, you might be looking for X, Y, and Z. And so that chat channel serves as a means of meeting the buyer where they are, how they prefer to be communicated to. Yeah, I, I also think um, a lot of us might not be aware the personalization capabilities with chat now that you literally can, and you, you kind of mentioned it quickly related to ABM. If I'm a if I'm a rep and I have you know uh, ten accounts and a hundred contacts assigned to me, and we're trying to connect with them and we're trying to engage with them, and they come back to our website as a result of that, I may be completely unaware. But if this chat tool is set up, it would it would what alert me that one of my target accounts is online and where they are, and allow me to go and start having a chat based conversation with them to see what I can help them with. Is that correct? Absolutely, 100% correct. Yeah, with Drift, you can actually do that. That's kind of like the, you know, sweet spot with our ABM tool. So like, you might have, you know, a couple different sequences, email sequences to people, but if you have a VIP from one of your target accounts jumping on your site, Drift will actually notify you uh, so that you can jump into that chat um, and actually take care of that person, offer that personalized approach, even if they didn't, you know, respond to an email sequence. So I think that's yeah, that, really and that's exactly what we've been talking about in terms of creating this remarkable experience. You know, yep. if I if I do land on a website and the person that I have been talking to or the person that's assigned to me or the person that's been trying to reach out to me is now the person that is attempting to chat with me, you know, that's a lot more interesting than a than a, a bot or a, uh, a customer service person who I don't know or some of the other mediocre chat experiences that we might have had. So that that's right in line with what we've been telling clients in terms of how to create a more remarkable experience for them, both marketing and sales. And this does kind of tie those together really nicely. Can you just give us, uh, for the listener's sake, some, some more specific feedback on how uh, an exchange like that might shorten the sales cycle? Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, for me, there's a couple of other key ways. I think in terms of uh, providing help when people need it, that's kind of a huge element. So, right, I think prospects don't really care who's answering their question about your product. They just want to get their question answered, right? 
So I think that actively, you know, that active engagement with people who have questions uh, during a deal can substantially shorten the sales cycle. Now you don't have to hop on a call or spend two and a half weeks going back and forth trying to schedule a, an appropriate time to chat about the product because you have chat right on your site. And uh, you know, for us, this was a huge thing. Um, and so we launched Drift Help yesterday. Um, and really the reason that we did it is because prospects and customers do not care who's answering their question. They just want their question answered. So this provides companies with the ability to answer questions 24 seven without any additional staff. And I think that's really the crux of what people are looking for today. They're looking for someone to help them over that next leg of the evaluation phase and to provide some tactical answers, but then you know, on occasion as well, like more broad idea lot, how do I implement this? What's the best way to do it? Um, and I think sales has changed a lot in that way. And they're really looking for someone who can help them. And you know, we say you know, helping is the new selling and it, it really is true. Um, but I think the other, the other aspect of it in terms of chat and how it practically provides you with the ability to shorten your sales cycle is just responsiveness. Um, uh, last month or actually just before that, I, I did this whole drift lead response report um, and basically discovered that, you know, B2B companies are spending 4.6 billion, billion with a B on ads that direct people to websites or landing pages. Uh, they'll do that in, in 2018 as a whole, but very few of those B2B sites will actually even engage with the leads who land on the site. And that's, that's pretty grim. Um, so we even went ahead and like, we did some quantitative analysis of a test we ran. So we hit up 512 companies to see how responsive they were when people sort of reached out via a form or what have you. And like I said, results were grim. Only 58% of 58% of companies never responded to leads. So more than percent 58% never responded. And that's so you, you did some proactive outreach on to B2B comp 512 B2B companies where you literally asked to speak to someone and only around half of them even responded. Accurate. Yeah. yeah. And that's really, that's super significant in many different ways. But if you're just looking at it from a dollars and cents perspective, man, that's, that's pretty huge because, you know, with, with chat, you're getting an instant response. And so that automatically decreases the time that it takes to complete the sales cycle, but it also reduces the friction. Um, and I, I think what we saw and, and what I've even seen anecdotally as a marketer over the last 10 years is that we've become so incredibly reliant on marketing automation platforms and the idea that we should cultivate this list and then hand this list off and then sales. Well, that's just customers don't care. Prospects don't care about that. So if you're spending, you know, if, if B2B collectively is spending 4.6 billion on ads in 2018, I think it behooves them to actually provide responses to the people that they're paying to come to their site, you know? Absolutely, 100%. That's really great. Good data and good advice. And it's, it's nice to see like some of the research and the statistics actually supporting some of the things we've been saying to clients all along. I mean, yeah. we have a lot of anecdotal data from clients who we know we're generating leads for and they're not following up on the leads. And I think what you're uncovering is, is some of the additional information as to why. Yep. Um, so that's, th those are some really great uh, kind of high level examples. Can you share some success stories or maybe some specific, specific, oh my goodness, 
specific. Yeah, it's rough. It's Wednesday. Some specific, specific examples. Yes. Yeah. Of how companies have leveraged chat to to move people along in the buyer journey. You don't have to name company names, but maybe some industries or some some types of products that have had some success with this would be great. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> one of the cool things about Drift specifically is that we like sharing names of people who are having you know success with our product, um, and also they they like to share it as well and. So we've had a number of like recent, you know, hits, so to speak, in terms of people who've had success. I think one of the biggest ones has to be Ipswich. Um, so they implemented Drift in January of this year. And in just three months, they had a million in pipeline. And I think if I remember correctly, my, my colleague Dan said that that number had, had jumped actually when they did the final calculation. So at least a million in pipeline in Q1 in 2018. What did they do? Ipswich, they're basically a security, a cloud security platform. Um, and it's essentially the, the type of thing that most people don't think of, like adding chat as a channel and having it be productive. But for, for that company specifically, they generated 280 leads. Um, they drift, they actually generated 10x the amount of opportunities as their AdWords campaigns were running. Um, so some crazy stuff with that. And then uh, another company that has been super successful uh, sales rabbit. So they increased, they threw chat on their site and they increased their sales meetings by 40%. But the doozy was they increased their qualified leads by 50%. Um, and I think the other you know, piece of this puzzle um, is also a question of, of productivity. Um, with the sales rabbit example specifically, they were able to start routing different conversations that came in through chat to the right people. And this expedited the entire sales process overall. Mm. Um, in another one that springs to mind, um, MongoDB, they're probably one of our earlier adopters. They increased net new leads by 70%. They ended up increasing ops by 170%. And so I think what we're seeing is just people feeling like, Maybe they don't understand chat at first, but as soon as they run that pilot, as soon as they get it on their site and test it out, they're like, oh my God, like I used this for a month and it already paid for itself. So those are the things that I think are startling that most people don't realize about chat. That is, that is pretty dramatic. It's some really good examples. Thank you. Sure. Uh, let's talk about chat tools specifically because look, Drift isn't the only chat tool out there. So. Sure. Um, what do you think our listeners should be looking for? It, so let's say they, they, they're they bought in, your stories are compelling, they, they want to add chat uh, to their website, and they want to add chat as part of their marketing and sales experience. You know, what should they be looking for when they're trying to decide which chat tool to go with? Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things, um, so you have to sort of imagine that as a salesperson, as a marketer, you've got a very specific use case support as well. But I think if you're in sales and marketing, you have to look at a tool that's like incredibly easy to use for, you know, everyone on your organization, your team. And I think what's really nice about Drift specifically is that it is incredibly user friendly. But more broadly speaking, um, other than, you know, the usability of the tool, I think people really need to look at whether or not the live chat tool is really live. Um, we've done, I've done a lot of research you know, for content, uh, you know, my team has done a lot of research in terms of trying to understand what's out there in terms of the competitive landscape. And there are just a lot of tools that say that they're live, but really are not live at all. So you kind of leave a message 
and then you get directed to the right person. But you know what, that's, that's really not any different than filling out a form. So you have to make sure that if you're looking at a chat tool, that that real time element is, you know, integrated completely into the experience because people get frustrated. If you have chat on your site, but it's not truly live or real time, then that's going to generate a sort of negative experience for the person. So I would absolutely. I, mean, I think that's generally the stigma that chat is trying to yeah. through because look, chat's not new. Chat, chat's been on sites and it's been around for a while. And generally the experience is pretty bad. You know, you're, you're trying to talk to someone and either no one's there, like it's off hours and it's yep. just not working or they don't know the answer to your question. They don't really know how to help you. And now you're yep. kind of turned off to the company and the brand specifically. Yeah. So I think that's important. Um, yeah, absolutely. Usability, whether or not it's really in real time, that's key. Um, and then I would say the third thing that's really important to look for is, uh, you know, routing capabilities. Um, the ability to have a conversation, say, at the top of the funnel, but then be able to route that appropriately to the right people and departments uh, within your org. Um, you know, there aren't, you know, to be honest with you, there aren't really a lot of uh, real-time messaging tools that have an abundance of experience with this, except for Drift and our lead bot. Um, and that's mostly because we were kind of early on in that process, spent a lot of time looking at what more sophisticated sales teams needed uh, from a chat tool. And so we, in WeBot 2.0, we kind of built those features in. And so it's sophisticated enough to understand, okay, I've had this conversation, where does this need to go now? Yeah. Um, um, I want to yeah. make a point too, uh, since we're talking about kind of, you know, moving people through the buyer journey here, chat isn't always just about driving a sales opportunity. Sometimes it's about getting some intent data on what people are looking for on the website, right? Like totally. if I want my pages to convert more highly on Google, I might have to, I might want to ask some people who are visiting the site via chat, did you find what you were looking for on this page? And if the answer is no, I may have a problem with the page and the people that are landing on it, and I might need to adjust that. It's very hard to get that data without a tool like this. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think that's actually like an interesting challenge I've seen a lot of marketers face. They're like, say they run a bunch of you know, SEM campaigns, right? So they've got all these ads out in the wild and they have a particular message on them, right? So they're like, you can use this tool to accomplish this outcome. And then they drive people to a landing page or a website and people get there and they're like, this has nothing to do with the message that I clicked on. And so I think chat can play a pretty pivotal role there in popping up when those people hit the site and they can say, all right, I would like to answer your questions in relationship to the SEM campaign that you clicked on. And so there's that opportunity to customize the messaging and make sure that there's a connection between what you initially, you know, sort of offered and then what's actually there when people land on your site. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you too about the kind of like offline situations with chat, because I think a lot of people, when they think about chat, they're like, okay, this is great, but what happens when the people who are keeping an eye on this are on vacation? What happens when it's after hours? What happens right. if I'm in a meeting and I'm supposed to be, you know, uh, and I get an alert that someone is looking for me on the website through chat? Like, I think those are some concerns that a lot of people have when you start to talk to them mm -hmm. about this. How, how do you guys recommend people deal with 
some of those the, those questions or concerns. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's pretty common. Um, I think the biggest thing is is leverage bots. Um, it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that you're not providing a human experience, but in you know 75, 85 percent of cases that first sort of barrier to entry, those questions that people have can be sort of, you know, parsed through and addressed with the help of bots. And so what a lot of our customers do is they actually use a mixture of bots as well as human beings to sort of staff uh, their conversations. And that just creates, um, you know, sort of this easier to understand uh, manageable process so that you're not feeling like you're deluged with, you know, questions and conversations and things of that nature. So literally any bot doesn't the bot feel a little like the the old chat, like, you know, like not, not a real person here. They're not really going to understand my question. Like, is this really worth my time to right. That's where our conversational marketing, I mean, I can only speak for us, but um, so that's where conversational marketing really comes in. I think because you have, you know, a human sort of architecting these flows, there's this amazing opportunity to be conversational, to make it feel like there is a human element. And so we made this site really good bot, really good chat bots. Um, and so people can actually like figure out the right scripts to feed into their bots so that they sound human, so that there's a friendliness and a warmth when people first hit a site. Um, and then as sort of like the demands of, of the user grow, like throughout the conversation, there's a point where the bot will say, okay, like there's a handoff necessary, so we're gonna get you to this person. Um, so it's a bit of gatekeeping, if you will. Um, but at the same time, if there are other situations where information can be served up, Drift Help also does that because you can have a question about the product, immediately serve up an answer, and in just a few minutes, the conversation has been completed and it's positive. Um, and those but questions are data-based and the answers are data-based, so whatever the yeah, so in, the, the bot yeah. recognizes it and then serves up the answer. Yeah, so the actual answer is being pulled from Help Center content. So essentially, if someone has a product question and you know, it's, it's pretty common, that can be pulled right out of their help center and served up for them. And then if the customer actually feels like, hey, like that was good, thank you, but I need more, the bot is then smart enough to route that to an available human agent. Got it, cool. Yeah. Great, that was really helpful. Definitely a good kind of primer on, on chat and, and how we might wanna be thinking about it. Totally. So. I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was just agreeing. Yes. Okay. I, yeah. Helpful. Happy yeah. to help. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you a question about something that's important to us. Like we're constantly trying to help our clients and our prospects kind of see where sales and marketing is going so they can skate to where the puck is going to be as opposed to trying to solve for what's going on today. Can you talk to us a little bit about where you think chat and conversational marketing might be going? Like what, what should we be thinking about? Um, for the next year or even five years down the road? I mean, do you see this, your platform re replacing platforms like HubSpot? Like what, what, what's the big picture here for, for chat and, and Drift? Yeah, I think in this particular situation, um, we can't deny that there's a fundamental shift happening, right? You know, you have both that, you know, that, that narrative that I brought up earlier on, which is people are having amazing B2C buying experiences and it's changing their expectations for B2B buying experiences. So 
That in and of itself is a fundamental thing that people need to pay attention to. So as your buyers demand better experiences that put their needs first, businesses need to pay attention to that and they need to respond to it. And chat does a really good job of addressing that issue. Um, and I think specifically the chat bots that we're seeing now, those are the opportunities to actually provide those personalized experiences and we have to pay attention to it. Um, you know, I think the other, you know, huge part of it is that companies who pay attention to this now and get on this wave now are going to be in much better shape as this new generation of, of buyers sort of matures, if you will. Um, you know, so people who are younger than myself, who are just coming up in marketing, they're used to a particular way of consuming. And I think more and more, we're going to see people's preferences for real-time conversations, real-time messaging pop up. Um, I've said it a bunch uh, because it's an, a really powerful statistic, but there was a global study probably about a year or two ago, 6,000 consumers, 89% of them said that they wanted to be able to message businesses. Um, that's a huge statistic right there. Um, and I think it's time that businesses really step up to the plate um, and really realize that the B2B buying process has to feel more customer centric. I love it. That's really great. Very insightful and very helpful. Thank you, Sonia. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. And you can go back and tell Dave Gerhardt that you are our new spokesperson for <laughs> chat. And we don't need Dave. We have Sonia. So uh, he'll, he'll love that, though. He's yeah, he will love that. So I will definitely tell him. Great. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. So we talked a little bit about in this episode about the consideration stage and how we can use chat to move clients along a little more expeditiously. Um, I want everyone to be excited about the next episode where we're going to talk about the evaluation stage. And our guest there is going to be Michael Farset. He's the chief research officer at G2 Crowd. Um, their website provides independent third-party validation data and reviews on a whole host of software products and soon other types of uh, service providers too. Um, Mike's going to talk specifically about how to work with prospects as they evaluate you and other options. Uh, today, the evaluation stage has really become a lot about reviews and references and, and other late-stage buyer journey content that needs to be in place. You really need to make sure that you're your customers are advocating on your behalf in these public ways. Uh, there are a number of these kind of research-oriented evaluation sites that are becoming more and more popular and will become more and more part of your prospect's buyer journey. If you are looking to buy software, you're probably going to find G2 Crowd and take a look at what their uh, reviews say. All of their reviews are uh, vetted actual conversations that they have with uh, uh, your customers. So they're not customer generated reviews. They're actually vetted reviews through G2 Crowd. So uh, I think like this is going to become more important in the sales process. So don't miss this episode. It's going to be really, really insightful and, and uh, helpful to everybody. So thanks again, Sonia. Great having you. And Thank thanks you. for listening. This is Mike Lieberman saying, let's smash your funnel and I'll see you at the next episode.